The following podcast contains spoilers. Check the episode description to see the exact times of the segments that contain spoilers. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the Vulture TV Podcast. I'm your host, Gazelle Amami. On this week's show, we'll talk ABC's new soapy FBI drama, Quantico, and the new season of Empire. It's crazy how I can love your ass and hate you at the same moment. That's all coming up, but first, if you have any questions for us or ideas for topics you'd like to hear, please email us at tvquestions at vulture.com. As always, we're here with Vulture TV columnist Margaret Lyons and TV critic Matt Zoller Seitz. Hey. Hey, guys. How's it going? (laughs) It's been a very busy couple of weeks for TV. I'm ready for stuff to stop premiering and just kind of like lock into just cruise control. What it's going, or, or just like what the season's actually going to be. I think. Yes. There's a lot of hype over the beginnings of seasons, and yeah, and especially rarely. for new shows, you know, the pilot can be sometimes very unrepresentative of the series on the whole. And so there's a yes. couple of pilots where you're like, ooh, I don't love this, but I can't, w- like, if this could get good, or pilots that you're just like, oh, I love these performers, I wonder if they'll get the hang of this. I always feel like I'm at my my cruelest during the season when shows are premiering. Yeah, me too. You know, because honest to God, there's just so many hours in a day and you can't, you just can't you watch everything. You ruthless. can't, <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't monitor the progress and improvement of every show on the air. There's not, it's physically impossible to do that. It's good you're being zen about it. It's also yeah. tough because this is such a sort of like bummer of a pilot season that after, you know, you write like six or seven reviews being like, I don't like this show. It just gets like, am I joyless? Like, have I lost like spirit of fun. I was thinking about this though that you know th- we always say well the pity of television is that sometimes it does take time for a show to find its voice. I think that's always been true but I think it has ne- necessarily become not true anymore just because there's so much TV and there's so many competing demands for our attention and like now the reality is a show has to nail it right away. It's like you don't get that chance if you're a comedian. You don't get that mm-hmm. chance if you're an actor or a musician. If you come out on stage and you suck people aren't going to come back and see you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to talk a little bit about watching TV shows live because we talk so much nowadays about, you know, not watching them live. And Scream Queens premiered last week and I initially watched it on a screener and then I rewatched it live and I found that I liked it so much more when I was watching it live. It felt like a more fun experience just knowing that other people were out there watching it at, at the same time I was. And I just, I I don't know, there's something about watching it alone that felt, like, not as exciting and a little lonely and didn't quite make sense for that show. What are your thoughts on this? Do you feel like there are shows where you might like them more if 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 it's more of a social experience? I absolutely enjoy Game of Thrones more Mm -hmm. when I watch it with a crowd. Absolutely. And especially if it's people who are really into the show. I mean, I like the show and I admire the show in a lot of ways, but when I'm watching it by myself, I tend to be more critical of it. I mean, not, and I'm not saying that, like, gee, I'm a critic. I wish I couldn't be so critical, but you know what I mean? I mean, it becomes more of a fun thing. You you don't notice those moments that. A crowd will make you more aware of. Yeah. I'm such a troll. I want to watch everything alone. <laughs> like, I was waiting for Margaret. To... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I guess, like on um, once in a while, uh, it's fun to watch in a group. I mean, I watch like award shows at my sister's house, <laughs> but I'm always like tweeting that I haven't like not worked for an award show in in I don't know ten years. So it's always like, well, we're like live blogging and tweeting and stuff, but I get to like watch with my sister and brother in law. But overwhelmingly, like, I don't want to watch TV 
together. Like, I think the only time that was even a little bit of a thing for me was, like, like for Sound of Music. And even then, I wasn't really watching it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like I was watching something else and, like, flipping to that here and there. I just... I don't know. The Part brilliant of thing is you, you Twitter. The brilliant thing about Twitter is you can be you. It's sort of like they've created this middle ground between together and alone. Yeah. You know, like you've got ba- it's like together, but with boundaries, mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> yeah. And you can like duck out. Yeah, you can. You can. It's <laughs> right? great. Whereas like if you're watching the group, uh, she said knowingly, it's very rude <laughs> to constantly be like, can you guys all be quiet? That's true. That's the, oh, that's the dark side. So, of see, that's the, the, and yeah. that's the reason why I have trouble. I, well, I sometimes have trouble getting getting people to come over and watch things at my house because I can be a bit of an asshole about the talking. Well, like, that's it's why like, it has to be with shows you don't care about. I'm always amazed. Yes. I'm always yes. amazed when people are like we get together and watch Mad Men. I was like, what is the, like? How do you do that? Like, how is that possible? Like, the only show I ever had like a recurring social viewing experience for was Gilmore Girls, and I was with my uh, my best friend, and on Tuesdays we would make tacos. And watch Gilmore Girls and we would watch in like complete silence and then in the commercials talk and then complete like total riveted silence and then have like uh, you know the years that it aired with Veronica Mars we would double like, sort of double deck <laughs> and, but but otherwise we were you know like pretty diligent about really you, watching you have to find a kindred spirit yeah like my my first friend in college we bonded over watching Alias together and we both had the same type of you know excitement for the show but respect <laughs> yeah. because you really had to pay attention during the show you really do yeah. yeah way back during the first bush administration uh, <laughs> i used to uh, i used to watch twin peaks in college with a group of my friends it was like all the film nerds at smu the really hardcore like the people who had seen everything david lynch had made up to that point we actually watched it in the common room of my girlfriend's dorm wow. and it was like everybody who was really uh, uh, really crazy about movies was in that little room watching it and oh boy that that's like the best kind of audience for a show like right. that and and we continued every week we'd watch uh, uh, at my apartment me and my two buddies, uh, my roommates, we would have Twin Peaks parties. We always have coffee, pie, and donuts at those things. When I was in college, we would. Um, one of my friends would tape American Idol. <laughs> we'd get together and watch American Idol. I think someone's dorm lounge at HBO, and we'd watch Six Feet Under stuff like that. I do kind of feel like the D- pre DVR era, people were more respectful of being quiet. Whereas during the current mm-hmm. DVR era, the like, well, just rewind it is like a much more feasible task, right? right? Like, and so, so yeah. for a show like American Idol, you're not going to be like, I'm missing it. Like, <laughs> well, right? and also like, there's a lot of there's, there's a, a lot, lot of parts. downtime. I was going to say there's yeah. a lot of points yeah. in American Idol that are basically designed for you to go get more chips. Yeah, I was about know? to say like the nacho making portions of the night. Um, yeah, but you know, so tear jerking story. I need another sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah, I think uh, sort of the thinkier the show, the worse it is in a group. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost was a show where I didn't watch it with other people, but at my old job, we would have Lost lunches. And the next day after the episode, we would all have lunch together and t- try and figure <laughs> out what was going on. <laughs> I used to watch Lost while I am in with my little brother. Like, we would both have our laptops with us. And then, like, I am through the entire episode. of like, who is that guy? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that was fun. But again, you could sort of like choose to listen and not listen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to have. It's good. Themed, themed uh, watching parties can be a lot of fun. I uh, the Godfather Part Three came out when I was in college, and there were a lot of people in my circle who hadn't seen the first two movies. And so, you know, my girlfriend and I would have uh, Godfather watching parties. We'd watch Part One and Part Two and have an Italian lunch, and then we'd go see Part Three, and then we'd go for dinner afterwards. But the problem with that was. 
once you've seen like almost what is it six and a half hours of the <laughs> Godfather saga and you've been eating pasta the entire time, <laughs> almost nobody could stay awake through Godfather three. <laughs> <laughs> I do wish though that there was more of a thing sort of like a book club mm-hmm. for TV where there was more of a chance to like sidebar for cheesy times but like one of the things that's fun about doing this podcast and we hope is fun about listening to it is that it's a chance to really talk about shows that we like it and sort of to to get into the minutiae about it and talk about you know like symbolism and and music cues and like did you you know like really sort of deconstructing and finding interesting ways to approach theme um I think that would be fun to do <laughs> like, sure. as a layperson sometimes too like if it was just uh people who maybe didn't write about and think about TV as much as we do to sort of interact on that level is always yes. nice. Um, every once in a while, someone will write in to stay tuned and say that they have something sort of like that. And I'm always very jealous because it seems like a really fun kind of thing where you like watch it on your own, you mm-hmm. know, but we know that like next week we're going to get together and talk about, you know, these three episodes of The Wire or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You absolutely. know, like that could be, I think that would be fun. If you do that, let us know. I actually did that <laughs> when I was at Salon with uh, Mildred Pierce. I, I decided oh. to treat it. Yeah, I, that was my that was I think my number one or number two show for that year. That I just was loved an amazing. That thing. It was incredible. Miniseries. And and because they aired it, they separated the episodes by weeks. Um, mm-hmm. I had this thing, the Mildred Pierce Club, and I pretended it was like a book club, and we were going to watch it. And 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 I deliberately did not watch all three at once. Mm-hmm. I wanted to watch it at the same time as everybody else who was commenting, and that was kind of fun. And, and it might be nice to do something like that. But everything, so many things are available instantly now, like the whole thing is available instantly, that it's hard to to do that, unless they dole it out. I was going to say, though, parenthetically... Yeah, but like your whole book is available immediately, but not everyone yeah. reads the whole thing That's true. at the same time, right? Like, Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, true. there's some book clubs, that's obviously, true. are like, we finished the whole book, but some book clubs, depending on the book, you know, if you're in, like, an infinite jazz book club, like, it goes <laughs> chunk by chunk. <laughs> that's, like, um, that's like a two-year commitment. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, plenty of book clubs are not... You can binge read your book, but that's not certainly how every person does it. That's true. That's true. Speaking of audiences, though, I was th- I was thinking like watching, which we're going to discuss, so there's actually a reason for bringing this up, Quantico. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about, you know, I DVR'd it when it aired on the network, and I watched it this morning and by myself, and I'm sitting there thinking that the commercials, I actually kind of liked having the commercials there because there's so much plot on that show. And mm-hmm. it's so fast, and there's so many characters, and there's so many revelations coming a mile a minute that I actually didn't fast-forward through the commercials because I needed that you two needed minutes or three minutes or whatever to just... I would mute the, the commercials, sorry, advertisers, and I would go like, <laughs> okay, what the hell happened in the last five minutes? And I'd look at my notes, and um, and it's nice. And I, and I do think that there is a sense in which television, the better TV shows are thinking about their audience, like their actual physical audience, like people in the room and how are they going to react, and they'll leave space for people to laugh, space mm-hmm. for people to gas, space for people to recover from a shock or big surprise or something, like a horrible act of violence, whatever. Just like when you're in a movie, like the, a horror movie will often cut from, you know, some horrible, gruesome act or something really scary to a moment of relative quiet where somebody's like just sitting on a porch and you hear the crickets chirping and that's the moment where you you hear everyone is hearing everyone else screaming and then they start to laugh and then they relax and like nothing happens during that five second stretch because mm-hmm. the filmmakers know this is for the audience this is their recovery time that's where i weep and say can we leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah but speaking of the, the soprano the uh the seeing television shows of the big audience um i saw breaking bad 
several episodes of Breaking Bad when Lincoln Center did the marathon and they showed it on a big screen um, with a, a you know a big auditorium, great sound, great picture, and it felt like a movie. It felt like like a bunch of little one-hour movies, just like that cliche thing that TV people always say because they still have an inferiority complex about television. <laughs> but it really did feel like they were thinking about it like it was a movie. And and every time The Sopranos premiered, I would go to the premiere at Radio City Music Hall, and you get to hear whatever a thousand, two thousand. I don't even know how many that seats people reacting to the Sopranos and you could hear that they had built in space for people to laugh for people to gasp and all that kind of stuff and it was great it just I felt like I appreciated that show in a whole new way Mm -hmm. seeing it with that many people it's like oh it doesn't just work with me or with five people it works with 2,000 you know I also I've had the opposite experience I once went to uh, when Glee did their Rocky Horror Picture Show episode they did a screening of it and I felt first of all like I was definitely the tree in Pocahontas. I was like the <laughs> oldest creature on earth. Um, <laughs> and then all of the people in the theater had no fucking idea what Rocky Horror Picture Show was. Oh. So, so I was there with one of my friends and we're, it's like, you know, we are both very familiar with the movie and, you know, what the whole point of going to see it in a theater is and all the stuff. And, you know, it's like, and I shiver with and we're like, say it. And all these people are like, shut up. You know, like, <laughs> no, 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 you shut up. Like, this is insane. That's like the one thing you don't shush people at. It's like, this is the whole point. This, like, you have no idea what's being parodied right now. You don't know what this is an homage to at all. And, like, that you're entitled, I guess. Like, I don't, you know, I can't be like, go home and educate yourself, child. Like, it's whatever. Like, we all have our blind spots. But that really was like, a, I was like, oh, uh, like, the way I imagine what glee is is completely inaccurate that was when i was like oh jesus uh (laughs) this is so not directed at people who have the references i have no um at all and i thought because it because so many of those references were to things i knew and things i was aware of maybe it was for you and they just (laughs) do you know i don't think i mean you know when you're in a movie theater and two of you know what's up and everyone else has a different take like you know, part of me wants to be like smug and be like, I'm right, they're wrong. And part of me is like, you know, you can't, you're not invited to every party. Like, it's okay. Getting back to this idea of shows, shows that benefit from being watched live. Um, one thing I'm a little concerned about, and I guess we'll get into this when we talk about Quantico and Gotham and other shows, is um, what I call the oh shit factor. <laughs> like, I feel like shows f- feel like they need to have a, a fairly high, like the oh shit a meter has to be in the red zone all the time. Like, it's right. always Well, be I like, was going to ask this, like, with, you know, Shondaland shows and kind of this event TV watching, in order to get people to tune in, our show's getting soapier and soapier. Well, they are. They're getting more like trailers. They're getting more like they're burning through plot. They're incinerating plot is what they're doing. And, and there's something kind of exciting about that because it's like how can they possibly get an entire season out of the show? Like, I've made this joke many times, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, but, like, the previously on recaps of episodes of of Empire are, like, it's like what happened last season. But they're just covering what happened last week. Because it's so much, it's all (laughs) so so major. Everything is major. It's like every five minutes there's some major whopping twist or surprise or... Something like that. It's like, and now the stakes have changed. And then like five (laughs) minutes later, the stakes have changed again. I feel like when a show has, when the network puts the bug up for what you're supposed to tweet, right? Like, (laughs) oh my God, Sarah's back. Hashtag, whatever. Like, hashtag Sarah's back. You're just like, can you 
like not do that. I hate that and as I, much as I hate when people at live when musicians at live concerts sense that the crowd is not responding well enough to and them, they and they start clap. trying to make you clap. Oh, it's like, if I'm feeling like clapping, I'm gonna clap. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm likely I'm sorry. not gonna feel. Like I won't it. need any prompting. I won't need any prompting if you're kicking ass. I promise you. It's the equivalent of I can't hear you, <laughs> which is like even as a kid, I was like, I hate this shit. I always feel bad for people whose job is sort of engineering social media on behalf of a product or brand or show or something like that, because basically what they have to do is take something that is spontaneous by its very nature and that is only fun if it's spontaneous and try to make it like ritualized and mechanical and boring, <laughs> you know, like, like suck, just suck the marrow right out of it. Here, here's a spontaneous thing you all can do at the same time. You know, come for on. me, Ritz crackers. Your exactly. friend, <laughs> your friend Ritz. Yeah. Yes. Well, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about Quantico because we have touched on it a bit, but for those who don't know, this show premiered Sunday night and it stars a longtime Bollywood star Priyanka Chopra as Alex Parrish, and she. We meet her as she's entering this FBI training program alongside a group of her fellow recruits. And all of them have, like, secrets. <laughs> Dickensian <laughs> yeah. secrets. Horrible Dickensian <laughs> secrets. So we have these flash forwards where we find out that, you know, one of them is suspected of a terrorism, terrorist attack on the level of 9-11. And Alex, we discover, is the main suspect. And by the end of the episode, she's on the run. So here we have this, we have a clip that we'll, we'll start off with that. Alexandra Parrish, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say what? will be used against you. What are you arresting me for? Where are you taking me? I have rights, you know. Don't do this to me, please. Get her out of my sight. Go. I mean, the the whole first episode, we really knew what was going to happen before the show even. Yeah. Yeah. And premiered. also, I mean, the I think I didn't. People uh, have been saying that like the trailers for the show and the teasers for the show were sort of egregious, and there were kinds of like all kinds of like weird, crappy like super sexy trailers and like <laughs> there like posters of her sort of draped in an American flag. And so like I luckily like I managed to avoid almost all of this marketing. So I uh I, have no idea. I didn't like I understand now that people sort of saw those trailers and were like, blech, what is this? Yeah. Um yeah. but but uh I guess my like super fast DVR watching of all things and screeners and other stuff, I just managed to avoid all of it. Uh, so I didn't have a super like negative attitude going in, which I guess might have helped. But I do think the show is like of the of the sort of traditional trailers I saw, like that was a very representative sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really uh, the thing that struck me about it. And I liked it. I liked it much, much more than I thought I would um, based on the the clips and, and promos and stuff. Uh, it's really fast. Like it's really, really fast. And I feel like you can almost do like an evolutionary chart like that shows the fish coming up out of the water and becoming the amphibian and then eventually a person like but with <laughs> speed, like mm-hmm. speed of, of dispensing plot. And, you know, down in the in the in the primordial goo, you would have like a show from the 50s. And now I don't know where we are, but we're about to like there's going to be like mercury wings on the legs of these shows. It's unbelievable <laughs> how fast they move. And yeah. I thought how to get away with murder was uh, and and scandal before it. But then how to get away with murder, I thought, was about as fast as you could get without becoming incomprehensible. Like the sp- the speed, the scale of the of the revelations, which are ridiculous. It's rid- only a soap opera can get away with the, with being that mm-hmm. big at every moment. 
But this is even faster. And and they're doing this thing where I used to wonder, like, what is with this craze for, like, somebody walking across the room. Like, they walk in, they say something to an important character, and then the show speeds up their walking into the next room. Or they get in a car, it's like, now, you know, they're going to drive to go do something, and then they speed up the car driving to wherever they're going. Mm -hmm. It's like super fast speed. And it's like, what is the point of that? It's so irritating. And then I realized, that's so you don't fast forward. That's a point where, like, if you're watching the show on DVR or streaming or something, you'd go, like, the people who only care about plot, like, they don't care about atmosphere or anything else. All they want to know is what happens next. They'll fast forward through that until they think something's happening again. And I feel like the show is doing it for you because they don't want you to do that. Right. And it also They're not going to waste our time. It keeps that frenetic pace going. It does. It's like on to the next thing, on to the next mm-hmm. thing. We, you know, we know, we know, we know. You don't care about nuance. You don't care about atmosphere. You just want to know <laughs> what crazy freaking thing is going to happen next. And we're, we're with you. We're with you. I also think like that's not just like, oh, you angry plebes trying to get rid of atmosphere. That's a whole generation of people, myself included, who've been conditioned to know there's a lot of boring, crappy dead time on shows. You know, like, you're not missing a lot by fast-forwarding portions of like Law & Order. The or like, you know, And I say yeah. as someone who deeply loves and reveres Law & Order, but like, there's a lot of parts you can skip, you know? Or if you're watching CSI, like, and I'm somebody who, up until a couple years ago, had seen every episode of CSI, like, there are things I can skip over. I do know that the like like the gnarly boyfriend we're talking to at minute sixteen is not the murderer. Like you know, like yes. we right, it's not just like, oh, audiences today, blah blah blah. It's like, well, I watched a lot of shit. Like I watched <laughs> and a lot of it was yeah. shitty. You know, like I watched a ton of shows, I've seen a lot of stuff and and, and I'm sort of I wonder I've had how, enough of your shitty shit. You know, I also wonder how much, like Matt's talking about an evolution, and I think in my head it's much more like a pendulum, I and mean, it's going to swing back in the other direction at some point, too, that we're going to, you know, as somebody, I was a huge Melrose Place fan, a big 90210 fan, um, Models Inc. Like, I was really into those Fox dramas there for a while, certainly Dawson's Creek, like the UPN uh, WB dramas of that era, where there was, like, a lot of stuff and a lot of, like, high, like, high stakes and, and blah 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 and you know insisting that my dad let us watch scenes from next week right like when yes, he's like it's yes, my yes. turn to watch like a grown up show it's like let us watch scenes mm-hmm. right like that kind of stuff and then you know that's yeah. a that's a fad that's or that's a, just like a phase that's a trend and then right. you know stuff will sort of swing back and forth like I don't I'm not worried that like we're gonna get to a point where all shows have to move at lightning speed like I don't think that's gonna happen do you think oh. this is specific to network shows I, I don't I was gonna say I don't think it's a network or cable thing I think it's a way like I don't think it's a pendulum swing thing I think it is a, a genre of storytelling. Yeah. Like, I think, like, there are certain shows, and you will know, like, if you don't want to watch a show like Rectify, where they'll spend, like, 10 minutes, oh my like, gosh. you know, yeah. making 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 iced tea or <laughs> yeah. something. And I love Rectify. But, oh, so do I. You know, like, it's like, no, it's really, like, like, oh, this is what being a poem feels like. <laughs> right, it's like walking. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> walking around, yeah, it's like they're walking around contemplating the, you know, the, the honeysuckle plants or whatever. And it's like, it's great because that's the opposite of a show like a Quantico or How to Get Away with Murder. And it takes all kinds. But it's just like, you know, what kind of dining experience do you want? Do you want one that lasts like three hours and there's a lot of time between when they bring the food out or do you just want the damn food? You know, sometimes you just want you the just damn want food. The food. Yeah. And in terms of shows, they just bring you the damn food. I felt like Quantico fucking delivered. It did. <laughs> like, one whopper with fries yeah, after another. But it was also, like, so I think we'd all agree that, like, this is not, like, I'm not ready for its, like, Peabody winning, like, emotion, right? It's <laughs> no. not, like, it's not, it doesn't strike me as, like, high art, certainly. That said, like, in terms of, like, what should a pilot do? I thought it hit, 
like sort of mark yeah. after mark after mark. There were moments that really surprised me. It, it had it had <laughs> a, it had a sh- it had its share of oh shit. And there even, were, it there really were moments did. where I f- it kind of went a little too far, like with the twins. Oh, that yeah. was, was like, like that was my favorite part. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like, like it was like wait a minute, like, wait, what? How does this work? How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, well that's that's what that's the part I liked the most because, like, you know, and I to it's to. The show's detractors are correct that it is extremely derivative of other shows. Many other shows, many other movies. Like, there's a lot of very familiar stuff in here. Yes. And that's why, for me, like, the twist of there being two people pretending to be one person, I was like, oh, damn, that was the one I did not see coming, right? (laughs) Versus the, like, oh, you know... um, that girl holding like the metal thing, I was like, it's definitely part oh, of a plane. That Her was parents boring. definitely. I didn't know what that was, but yeah. First, but as I, soon that was, like, as they my said first it, guess. well, you know, uh, yeah, okay, you're you're way faster than I am, but I knew that it was something related to her parents' death. It was only a question of what. And as soon as as soon as she, I see her face in that interrogation room, it's like her parents died on nine eleven. Yeah, because it's an intelligence show. It's like we're <laughs> right. at the point now in pop culture history where the total number of people who have died fictionally on 9-11 is like 10 times the number of people who actually perish. It's it's so completely over you. (laughs) 9-11 is the new appendicitis. It really is. We're going to get some real angry mail this week. It's true, though. It's true, though. It's like, you know what? Just don't do that anymore. Just stop. It just seems like disrespectful, honestly. What did you think of the, the acting? I thought it was really good. Like yeah. that some of it really kind good. Of some of it a little bit not my like, like Pri- Priyanka. I like. I thought she was great. I thought she was <sighs> yeah. really. I thought she was good. I think, I, I, I think what makes these shows work, like How to Get Away with Murder and Scandal, and these really soapy shows, is having that central character that is just so fucking good. I think it's a, I think it's a Scooby Gang, honestly. Like I think <laughs> I think it has to be. And like I say this as somebody who like worships early seasons of Grey's Anatomy, less so season 1, much more so season 2. Season 1 of Grey's Anatomy is only like six episodes. It was a mid-season show. Uh, I remember the first season being like, "Ah, eh, it's Felicity in a hospital." Like I like both of those things, but this isn't great. And then season 2 it really like bloomed into what it was going to be I think you need a whole group of people because what we want to see is not just our heroine being heroic we want her to have a best friend where she says like things are really fucked up I mean we want her to have a love interest where she's like let's make out and we want her to have a rival where you can say like this is how I'm going to be better than everyone else and maybe she is and maybe she isn't or he is and he isn't we want to sort of have like as many sort of viewpoints on the experience especially when it's like welcome to your first day of fill in the blank right? right so Quantico and Grey's Anatomy are like beat for beat the same they minutes. really are they like really it are. is real similar right down to the shots of the kids up, to, in, the, up, to, up in the rows of you like know, somebody yeah. being a recovering alcoholic like I mean yeah. a lot uh, a lot of very similar and, every, and I love that it's not just one character who has a tragic secret they all do <laughs> they, all, they all do they have to every single one of them and it's like the worst thing it's like that's the worst thing I've ever heard it's like, like well you haven't worse. heard the next person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I, I, I liked uh most of the ensemble, I thought there were some parts where it was like, give it a rest. Like this sort yeah. of, like the sad professor, it was like, okay. Like I like Josh Hopkins on, on Cougar Town stuff, but I, this was a little bit, he was recast in this pilot, so it used to be Doug Ray Scott and now it's him. Oh. I'm sort of agnostic between the two, but I didn't, like that was that was one performance where I was like, ooh, I feel like maybe we're singing a slightly in a slightly different key than the rest of the show. And then I thought the sort of annoying guy who almost gets cut, killed? I was like, "We get it. You're very annoying." <laughs> like, yes. yeah, he was. That, that was the part where it was yeah. like, "Is this high school? Like, you guys have all graduated right. from college. Like, be more adults." And yet, and yet, a big part of the appeal of this show is that it's essentially like you know, 
MTV's The Real World plus Tom Clancy. I mean, like, they're all, like, they're in a dorm. They're, like, in a right, glorified exactly. dorm. And they're, you know, walking in on each other as they're showering and dressing. And they're, like, eavesdropping and overhearing stuff. And then they go to the shooting range. You <laughs> yeah, know? Totally. I mean... <laughs> yeah. The part where I was really sold on Priyanka's acting was the end of the episode when she really breaks down and starts crying. And I just think she's such a good crier. Like, yeah. she's, she has this amazing crying scene in one of her movies, Fashion, where she just is crying as she's, like, walking down the runway. And I just, you know, I, I felt like showing her real emotion in that moment really made me believe in the in in the show more because it felt so much like how you would act in that situation, obviously. And oftentimes you get people trying to be too tough or, you know, like she yeah. felt, it felt like she really tapped into the emotions of her character. It takes a real talent to cast a show like this. And, and uh, the trick is to cast actors who look like just network eye candy. But they are so excited by the chance to act that they actually bring it. They actually mm-hmm. bring it and they surprise you. Like, you look at them and you're like, there's no way that person can act. And then they act. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. And it's almost like a rope-a-dope maneuver. <laughs> like, you don't expect you don't expect to see that. It's be, and, and it is really, I felt like right down to pretty much every part. There wasn't anybody in the show that I didn't think was right for this kind of show. And it reminded me of this. Years and years and years ago, I interviewed the actor Martin Donovan. I guess he was on Wonderland, maybe, or something, a show that lasted like four episodes. And we rounded off topic and we're talking about like uh, just Hollywood in general. And he got on the subject of actors and their types, like being cast for certain types and and what what was a good actor versus what was not a good actor. And I made a joke about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I made a crack like, like oh, not, you know, well, well not Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> whatever the hell it was. It was stupid. And he said, no, I think actually, he said, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a really good actor. Like, for a particular kind of role, he, mm-hmm. there's nobody better than that guy. And he said, think about it. Like, you're moving from one apartment to another. You need a certain type of guy to help you move. Like, there's a certain type of guy <laughs> totally. that you want helping you move to get that couch down the steps. And that guy is Arnold. <laughs> you know, it's not me. It's Arnold. And it's true. And, like, they've got... Unless you super don't want to get groped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In which case... I'll take my chances. Maybe not Arnold. Maybe not Arnold. I'll, I'll take the rock. The point being, they're right for they're right for what they're asked to do. Like I think if they were like deeper, richer actors, I I think the show might not work as well. Yeah, I, well, they would be overthinking it. I also think that like you know we don't necessarily want in our pilot to like you don't have the right to do a huge wrenching like you know pick me choose me love me monologue like you need a little. That's from Grey's Anatomy. I'm getting blank stares from Matt. (laughs) 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 That's a pretty well-known monologue from the season one finale of Grey's Anatomy. Continue. (laughs) Um, That, you know, we want to get to know our characters a little bit. And I think one of the things this pilot did super effectively was, like, everyone gets their deal, right? Like, your deal is your parents are this. Your deal is you're like this guy. Your deal is, like, you have to prove yourself twice as much because, right? So we have all of these, like, really clear stakes, really clear things. We have everyone gets a little twist because the pilot is built on figuring out everyone's secret, right? So we have you're your type and then plus, like, some sort of, like, slight, like, spin on that type and so we know what drives everybody right like everyone has like a pretty clear motivation and over the course of you know the next few episodes i assume we're going to have some more like melodramatic um like a bigger breakdown kind of thing or like somebody's much we're going to have these sort of like much more earned climaxes right because that's how drama builds right we're going to have all this tension all this tension all this tension and we're going to need to release it in some way either through tragedy or comedy or like a huge like reveal whatever it is um but so i don't think that we are necessarily going to get like 
like huge acting moments out of a pilot per se. But I did think every like I felt like the show really like ticked, you know, like there yeah, was yeah. like the the sort of mutual interrogation struck me as like extremely clever. That was a very a, clever that, way. Like not that the the material itself was clever, but that that's a very savy way to get it a to get your together. exposition out of the like, way. Like that just to is get like... your exposition out of the way. And I tell you, boy, one of the worst parts of of, of seeing these shows is how <laughs> they like the, where you can tell the writers don't even want to write this. Oh boy. You can tell they don't. It's like God, no, please not exposition. Please, please not exposition. You like can the tell bo- they're like being dragged, kicking, and screaming. <laughs> please don't make me write exposition. I had please. to. I had to write reviews for the player and Quantico on the same day. I know, pity me, my horrible. No, it's yeah. <laughs> I, but I, you know. Uh, the player just had like some of the dumbest bullshit in the world in it. It was like rich people want to like if you're super rich, you want to bet on stuff more than it's like. Do you? Like I don't think anybody has it worse than grandfathered. <laughs> grandfathered. <laughs> the exposition in that like is forbidden by the Geneva Convention. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, like it really that, is. Bad. I mean, that's how. Like I think pi- I think comedy pilots in particular that are going to be super premise driven, right? Like I think if you look at. Um, or or just need to get that premise shit out of the way so yeah. we can just start in on story. Uh, Hello, sister, who I haven't seen in three years. Yeah, I know. That shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I feel like for a comedy, it's more forgivable because... Uh, because like then you can just get rid of it. Like Then you have it and it's done and then you can just go forward with like, now this is the... like We've established the world and it's time to move forward. Like, it starts with the day everything changed, but the rest of the show is not about everything changing. The rest of the show is this new state of reality. Yeah, and also there's a... Again, we see the deep reach of Lost and how this is structured, and I think Lost is oh, like... That's, grandfathered? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's seriously, the, that, that's, that's, that is the most influential show for the networks of, mm-hmm. of anything, like in the last 10 years. Like, no, I don't think anything else comes close. Like, the way that they fractured time, but without being without being excessively arty or confusing about it, like, except where they meant to be. And and they didn't always deliver. We, we know that. But uh, the way that they kept you on the hook was pretty great. Pretty great. The and, degree and, to which Quantico copies Lost is hot. Yes, very, very. Um, but intriguingly so. And and, and at, it's also one of those shows where you are, the entire point of it is, can I believe what I, what I think I'm seeing? And a big part of that comes from what is my knowledge of television cliches and to what degree will the show subvert those cliches? And is there a possibility that they will be um, sort of doing this like double fake out where it's like, oh, they're going to set me up to violate the cliche, but then the whole point of it is they're actually going to do the cliche. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm wondering, like, who's responsible for the bombing? It's like, well, it can't be, it, it's got to be one of the blonde people. It can't <laughs> be, I'm serious, honestly. It's like, it can't be, can't be anybody who's Muslim, can't be anybody who's Asian. It has to be one of the blonde people. But then again, that's exactly what they think I'm going to think, right? right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's I think compelling. these are devious yeah. people. These are devious people making the show. Why don't and I, I and I like that. I mean, any, I like, any last thoughts before we move on to Empire? Sure, I feel like that's uh, an unlikely parallel, though, but true to its Gossip Girl, right. right? Which pretends like it's like so much better or savvier or saltier than like a teen show or a rom com, and then what it actually does is call it out and still play along. Yes. and that's a real sort of like having it both ways kind of thing, and. Um, and I think if you can do it, that's great, right? Like, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I was, like, Quantico was the network pilot. I was the most, well, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is number one for me this year. But Yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, and we'll talk about that when that's closer to its premiere. But I thought Quantico had the most 
you know, there's nothing wrong with stealing from Lost if you're going to take the good parts. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, and that's a good way of putting it. And that's what they did. And, you know, like, don't worry about, like, all the bullshitty parts. Take the really, take the fun stuff. Like, take the exciting part and and run with it. And take the exciting part of, like, a bunch of other shows and, and keep the ball in the air. Is now, like, now the question is, like, can you really sustain this well, arc? That's a good question for Empire as <laughs> yeah. well. As we as we begin our second season, we've all watched the the premiere episode. Yes, we have. yes, and we pick up here with with Cookie and and Co. and they're all still gunning to for a hostile takeover. And Lucius, meanwhile, is in prison. And we have a clip here of um, Cookie and Lucius talking in prison in this episode. For whatever reason, I still love you. I do, and I'm so sorry I didn't come and visit you all those years in here. This place is hell. You always were a ride or die. Say that for a nigger. Or one of these little boys you messing around with in here. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy how I can love your ass and hate you at the same moment. What did you guys think of this premiere, you know, just broadly, like in terms of how it felt building off of such an insane finale from last season. It seemed to me like a classic example of the of what I call the James Walcott theorem, which is, and I've, I've almost never seen it disproved, which is that a really a great show, a show that's great in its first season, it's about, it's about what it seems to be about. And in the second season, it starts to be about itself. And I think Empire has already reached the point where it's starting to be about itself. And it's still an entertaining show, but... Part of what made the premiere so fascinating to me was seeing it carry itself with such a swagger, like to the point where it's like we can do pretty much anything we want, and and we're going to be awesome, and you're going to love it, and and you're going to ha- and you're going to write think pieces about it, and you're going to tweet about it, and you're going to and there's going to be all these hashtags and memes and everything, and just watch us, just watch us. Let's see what we can get away with, like casting Chris Rock as a feared criminal. As a cannibal. Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, like, and yet the sheer audacity yeah. the sheer audacity of you it gotta, is like what you know, was like uh you know, I don't know. I I, I, I can't even think of somebody who would be second. lamer than Chris Rock in that part. I love Chris Rock, but <laughs> really, come on. It took me a second to be like, Is he eating that guy? It's like, Oh my god, he is. Uh that was that's a lot for me, like you know, this is just not my favorite kind of television. But the um, opening 10 minutes, the opening <laughs> right. 10 minutes was unbelievable. A free Lucius rally and Cookie on stage in a gorilla suit in a cage. There is a, yeah, I mean, look, no one could accuse Empire of holding back. No, and nobody <laughs> could accuse Empire of not knowing what kind of a show it is. And like that to me, that was, br- I, I actually gasped when that, when that cage lowered onto the stage with, you know, a woman in a gorilla suit, and then she takes off the mask. And it's like, all of, do you have any idea how many pieces were written last year about whether or not the show traffics in racial stereotypes? <laughs> and here's the show going, yeah, and we're ahead of you people. We're, everybody who thinks you're smarter than us, we're smarter than you, and here's the proof. And they did it in an image. It was great. Yeah, the show, I mean, I've, it's much more winking this season than it... I, from what we've seen so far and i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of along for the ride you know yeah i mean i'm all, yeah. along for the I ride mean, empire would have to shit the bed so hard <laughs> before i would be like i'm done with empire right and i think it's a show yeah. that has because it's so uh 
huge all the time, you can barely follow the plot and still get a lot out of any given scene. Yeah. Like it's right. possible to enjoy moment to moment without being like fully uh, understanding exactly <laughs> like the mechanics of everything. Well, one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, with these shows that are so plot driven and, you know, there's so much happening drama wise, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts on are on t- dramatic tension because I feel like I don't really feel any kind of dramatic tension. I'm just kind of watching thing after thing happen and happen, and yeah. it becomes more like a comedy in a way. Yeah. I, yep. Definitely, and and that's the risk. That's the risk is that when everything becomes so big from moment to moment, it starts to be like the heavier you are from moment to moment, the more weightless the show risks becoming, and that's a problem. It's I mean, it could be a problem. It's been a problem in a lot of shows throughout TV history, and I see no reason why Empire is not at risk. I mean, Scandal. I felt really bored during the premiere last week, and it's mm-hmm. a show that has kind of cycled through the same well the, i mean empire so far you know it's still new we haven't seen it recycle through storylines no but i that, mean you know and the truth is that like storylines are a renewable resource it's that new mm-hmm. that it's a difficult resource right so there's no reason a show has to repeat itself even if it's been on for a very long time it's just that shows often do because it's difficult to find new material all the time um honestly my bigger worry for empire is that they're going to overestimate how much we care about who owns the business uh-huh. because like they're that's been and that's been true since the pilot that like they're sort of setting it up as like who inherits the family business and who like which son is it going to be and now it's like oh is it going to be cookie is it going to be boo boo kitty is marissa tomei coming and like all of this stuff and as somebody who like for a lot of these kinds of or not that there's that many soaps like Empire, but for example, on Suits, they really, <laughs> really think you care who owns the firm, and it's like, I don't give a shit. No, it's like this is going back you know, to the days of Dallas. It's like they were constantly fighting over the fate of South Fork Ranch. I, nobody really gave a shit who who controlled South Fork, including people in my hometown of Dallas. <laughs> we didn't care. It was all about like the moment-to-moment interactions and what, what horribly evil, delicious thing will JR do now? Yeah, like who owns the Peach Pit After Dark on 90210? And it's like, <laughs> Like, well, like one of Valerie gets a controlling chair. It's like, I don't care. Uh, you know, and like the sort of mechanics of like how business takeovers work. And like, I'm going to dilute your shares. It's like, I don't give a shit about like how all those things work. Um, and it's much, more, you know, and I think because the show traffics in such like a high frequency of of emotions, right? Like everything's at a 10. Everything feels like the biggest, biggest deal. Um, it's hard to find like those really resonant, like special moments. Like the elevator scene. In, in the first in the in the in the first season, the scene with the brothers in the elevator when they start oh, singing yeah. "Lean on Me." Yeah, that was a that, good that was like there was enough drama just in those. What was it like two elevator scenes? Like mm-hmm. other shows, like can do an entire episode and not have as many shifting moods and modes as that one scene had. That was amazing. Like that's probably I think it's episode eight is the best episode so far. Like in terms of the number of things it does and how well it does them, it's it's perfect. Um, and, you know, I don't see any reason why they won't be able to top that if they have the right material. The risk is stay, not getting too bogged down in who, who controls the record company, except in as much as it defines what the alliances are and whether the members of the core family are fighting against each other or joining together. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, the most interesting part of the entire show is it, it's crazy, superheated melodrama, but it does capture the way that families that have a common interest, so like if it's a family-owned business or a piece of property, the house, whatever, 
they will be at each other's throats and then suddenly they will band together to fight an external enemy mm-hmm. and then they'll go back to fighting each other. <laughs> and the show is really, really good, like at times almost effort- effortlessly good at showing you that. I think that's part of... So I think one of the reasons Empire is able to like hit that really clearly is that its characters have very clear wants. Um, and like <clears throat> you sort of learn this if you like study sketch comedy but basically there's only four things any character wants to be seen to be heard to be touched to be loved Hmm. and everything really can boil down to those ideas and i think on that front the characters on empire each have a very clear one of those you know like like jamal wants to be seen right like he feels like he gets like overlooked and like hakeem wants to be loved like he's the he got ignored he's the baby and so like because we're motivated by slightly different things we're going to approach even if what what the goal is is like i want to own empire right but i'm driven by i want to be seen or i'm driven by i want to be loved those go by then you're going to take really different paths to get there does that make sense yeah yeah and often in order to be seen you have to you have to be at peace with not being loved Right. Yeah, so that brings us that to Jamal. Or you already feel loved enough by what you have, right? Like, right. Well, what do you think about Jamal turning into kind of more of a evil, evil monster type? I love Jamal. Type? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, team Jamal. And I don't think he's that evil. I think I get. I mean, I get him. I get him in the way that like I got like Tony Soprano, and you know, like you don't need to like uh, strangle people in a ditch and feel all right about it to to get Tony Soprano. Like I, the mm-hmm. show does a very good job. Like like Margaret was saying of. of letting you know who everybody is and just letting their actions define who they are and not just shoveling motivation at you like so many bad shows do. Like, I really feel like a lot in the better scenes of that show, the, the, the everything is dramatized in a real way. Like in the way that, you know, you actually used to go to the theater back before there was television and movies to see, you know, human behavior presented with a frame around it so you can contemplate your own life. And like as ludicrous as a lot of these scenes are, I do find myself connecting with these characters, and I've never been anywhere near a record studio. I mean, you know, but right. it's the family stuff. I think Cookie wants to be heard. Yeah, you know, I was just gonna say. I think she this... wants all four things. Yeah, but I actually. think she. I think she has access to the previous, the other three. Right. So the opposite of being seen is being ignored, and the opposite of being heard is being dismissed. And mm-hmm. I think that's Cookie's number one fear is being dismissed because she's already been dismissed by the family before. She spent seventeen years being largely dismissed by Lucius, and now she's like, "You can never dismiss me again." Right. Like everything I'm saying has huge value, huge importance, and and no one ever gets to push me aside ever, ever again. And, and every we, piece of evidence we've gotten suggests that she should be running this company. But she also has, pl- and, you know, like I think she, there's plenty of people who love Cookie, right? Like she doesn't seem like she's hurting for like adoration. No. She has access to uh, touch, right? Like I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. She's not and, lacking, no. Yeah, and, and no one ignores her. Like think about the way that like she dresses and the way she moves through a scene. Like she's very seen. But I think she, her like her actual like ideas are not always like taken her, seriously. Per, yeah, I mean we see this in little moments too. Like in the clip we we played earlier, she she's talking to Lucius and she cracks a joke and he starts like dying of laughter. And you see her kind of it's in her face. You see yes. how pleased she is with herself. Like she wants people to like she's she's a really funny, smart, witty person. And what a and great performance. She's a great what performance. A great performance. And there's so much nuance to like her little you know, how she responds to other characters. You see the hurt when she's ignored, you know, you see the Yeah. And her and her the way she dismisses people with her little phrases like was that fake ass Lena Horn, (laughs) you know stuff like that. It's just great. She it's really really great. And boy, you can tell she relishes that. It's like somebody hands her a dart and she puts it right in the bullseye. The way she delivers it, it's just terrific. 
Okay, before we call it for this week, uh, I kind of am curious if anyone out there is getting show divorced this season. Like if there's a show that you were with for a long time and you you either were a huge fan or a medium fan and then last season you kind of got burnt and then you thought maybe you'd give it like one more episode this year or <laughs> two more episodes. Bad relationship shows. And you're just like, this is it. Like I'm now done with you. Uh, I'm kind of curious because I feel like there's so many returning shows this year and a lot of them are sort of at this like oh, am I still on board with this moment in a way that, like, you know, like something like Scandal maybe or Grey's Anatomy, which has both been around for a pretty long time. Or, I mean, Scandal less long, but Grey's is a very long time, Supernatural a really long time, Vampire Diary. You know, there's a lot of sort of returning shows. And I'm curious, uh, like looking at my calendar going forward, I was like, oh, there's some shows on here that I don't know if I'm still going to keep up with you. And some some are fade away, but some are like, I'm getting show divorced. So if you're getting <laughs> show divorced this year, let us know at tvquestions at vulture.com. That's it for this week's Vulture TV podcast. Don't forget to email us your questions or comments at tvquestions at vulture.com. <laughs> Our producer is Sam Dingman. Our senior producer is Laura Mayer. Andy Bowers is our executive producer. The Vulture TV podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. If you like the show, tell your friends and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I'm Gazella Mommy, and you can find me on Twitter at Gazellefant. I'm Margaret Lyons, and you can find me on Twitter at Margin Charge. I'm Matt Zoller Sites, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Zoller Sites. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.